Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. Joining me shortly will be my co-host, Paul Herman. This is episode 63 of our show and possibly the most difficult stop on our road to Infinity War. We're going to be talking about Thor The Dark World. But before we get started, I have some people to thank. I would like to say thank you to Tony Figs, a.k.a. Anthony Figliano, Al Munoz, Squarehard, Ron Hancock, and TJ Lamondo. Those are our newest patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Thank you so much to those five individuals for their support. And as members of our Patreon, they get access to exclusive content from this podcast not available anywhere else. Every week when we do these episodes, we add a Patreon credit scene. It's usually about an extra 20, 30 minutes of bonus conversation where we look at the connective threads between the film that we have been discussing in that episode, so in this case, Thor of the Dark World, and what connects it to Avengers Infinity War. So we're doing that this week, but we also add in some Marvel news talk as well. So what we're going to be adding to our our Road to Infinity War discussion in this week's Patreon credit scene is news about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. possibly having its Season 5 finale also be ready to serve as a potential series finale. So we talk about that in this week's Patreon credit scene, and we also have available on our Patreon right now our very first Patreon-exclusive full episode. So we do one of these a month. This is for people who are chipping in $5 a month for supporting the show, and what they get is an additional additional episode that's just, just for them. So... Our Patreon-exclusive episode for the month of February is now out, even though it's March, but we do it usually at the end of the month. So our February episode is a conversation about all the stuff going on with Fox right now and all the movies they're trying to develop very, very quickly before the Disney deal closes. So we talk about all that stuff with Silver Surfer, Kitty Pryde, Doctor Doom, and uh, even some of the stuff going, some news about New Mutants. So we cover all of that and also just talk about uh, in a more in a broader sense, the Disney Fox deal because we actually haven't had a chance to talk about that since we came back because that deal happened while we were on hiatus. So we get into all of that in an episode that again is available exclusive on our Patreon, and that's at Patreon.com/slash/MarvelStudiosNews where you can find more information, look at the different tiers we have, and the different levels of exclusive content you get depending on the support that you provide. So please, uh, and we encourage you to check that out, and maybe the best thing about it is that when you do sign up, you actually get an exclusive RSS feed that's just for you that you can put into your podcatcher, like Apple Podcasts, and you can subscribe to the show. We post the regular episodes there as well as all the Patreon-exclusive content, so if you sign up on our Patreon, you can get that RSS feed, and you'll be able to subscribe and get all of the content from our show, whether it's the standard stuff that's available everywhere or the exclusive episodes, the Patreon credit scenes. You can get all of that in one feed so that that way you don't have to worry about tracking down our show in multiple places. And I also just want to let you guys know where you can keep up with our uh, keep up with Marvel Studios news. You can do it on the website marvelstudiosnews.com where I'm posting articles every day about the MCU. You can also find us on Facebook at Marvel Studios News and on Twitter at Marvel Newscasts. So that's it. I'm done. Let's talk about Thor the Dark World. Well, Paul, it's the episode everyone's been waiting for. Uh, sure, to, sure to be the least downloaded of any episode on our road to Infinity War. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe people maybe people tend to favor negative, right? Um, but, uh, you know, what's funny, though, is that it's kind of like Iron Man 2, because when we're going to talk about Thor The Dark World, like, I agree that this is probably the weakest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but you know what? It's still not so bad. I still nope, like nope, it, and nope. I'm still entertained by it, and I'll explain why. But before we get into that, we got to go through the buildup to the movie. And the first big story for Thor The Dark World, or even before it was called Thor The Dark World, when it was just a Thor sequel, was that Kenneth Branagh was not going to be returning. And I remember us being not so thrilled with that idea, um, back on the back in the days of the Modern Myth Media podcast, mm. um, I remember one of my favorite phrases that John Beardley used to utter on that show uh, was that you know Marvel treats people like the talent is expendable. <laughs> um, mm. I, I, and I don't remember if that was with respect to Branna or Edward Norton. It might have been both. I don't remember. Um, but anyway, yeah, I was disappointed because 
I loved what Kenneth Branagh had done with the first Thor movie, but I also wasn't like as hip to what Marvel had been doing at the time, which is not so much, or at least not always. And, you know, they, I think now they kind of tend to stick with directors more than they were in those early phases. But, you know, initially they were really matching, matching filmmakers with the specific story being told, not so much with the character. So since they were going into the heavier Shakespearean stuff with the first Thor, and then maybe not necessarily needing that, that was maybe why Kenneth Branagh, you know, didn't come back at the time. Like it was just blamed on scheduling. Like he was going to need more time before he could do it and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, but whatever the excuse was, you know, Kenneth Branagh wasn't coming back. And the first director that was hired uh, was someone named Patty Jenkins, who of course did not direct Thor the Dark World, uh, but went on to have huge success last year, of course, uh, with Wonder Woman. Yeah, those are kind of the first things I remember about Thor is that I, I remember Kenneth Branagh not being around within a, a couple months of the of the first movie. We knew that Branagh wasn't going to be coming back, and then it was Patty Jenkins being hired. And I think I think that I think that lasted for like I don't know four months, maybe. Like I think she was. I think like I news had broken about her being involved in like September of 2011, and then I think by like January of 2012 she was out. Mm. Yeah, I kind of remember we covered that on the show, and it was we were kind of like, "Oh, that's interesting," you know. And then she just was gone, and it was the the Thor sequel was kind of a weird. I didn't have a lot of writers too at one point. I feel like this movie had a lot of writers on it, and there was at least I remember that being there's a lot of hands in the in the in the, in the cookie jar, if you if you will. Um, yeah, I remember Patty Jenkins was on it for a hot minute, and there was somebody else after that that wasn't uh, Alan Taylor. Uh, well, that's his name, right? The guy who directed this, this movie, yeah, Alan, Taylor. Alan Taylor. I don't remember anybody yeah. else actually being hired. There might have been somebody else who was talked about, but I think maybe, yeah. I think Jenkins and Taylor were the only two that were hired. But already, you know, unless you're the Russo brothers or like a directing team, uh, usually two <laughs> directors is one too many. Yes, no, totally. So. Yeah, it was. I remember, you know, as, as as you guys remember hearing from the last Thor show, I loved the first Thor movie and still do. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a great film and it surprised me. And I was really excited to see where they were going to take this um, in the sequels. So it was, and I, at the time, um, I had just, you know, I think like year before, I just discovered Game of Thrones or a couple years before that, I had discovered Game of Thrones. Huge Game of Thrones fan. Love, love that show. Alan Taylor came from Game of Thrones and, you know, directed a lot of great episodes from that uh, series at the time. And I felt, oh, Game of Thrones, Thor, perfect match. So. You know, I, I felt like Marvel was going with, you know, something they could, you know, it definitely after Patty Jenkins left, it definitely felt like they were going after someone that was going to be a yes man in some respects. So that's at least from what I understand, that the way I took it as. And the fact that someone who knew the medieval uh, could take the medieval, knew how to shoot it and make it look good and not have it be super cheese ball. So but he didn't. What, Alan Taylor? Yeah, we'll we'll get into that. Like, okay, okay. Visually, but, the film is. Ugh. Well, this is where we're. We'll, 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 I think we're going to divide yeah, a little I, bit on this. But anyway, I, but anyway. Well, yeah, I'm getting ahead of. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm, you are. Come on, John. Come I, on. I, I'll I'll behave. I'll behave. The three people who are really concerned about our review for <laughs> Thor: Dark World are really right <laughs> on this right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the first two already bailed, so now it's just. Yeah. They're like, screw this. They're going to just bash me the whole time. But thanks for sticking with us, buddy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a fun episode. People don't understand. Like, usually these ones are the most fun. Of course you they know? are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so best anyway. episode ever is our Fantastic Four review from 2015. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We still have to do a commentary. That should be a Patreon episode. Oh, yeah. I think that's there. happening. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on your Patreon tier, you could be part of that commentary. Well, ooh, now that would be interesting. I, I still, and this maybe we should save it for the Patreon. I have not seen the movie since that we since the, I saw it that one time and we we fought on on the podcast. Yep. I have not seen it since. I still, I am basically. I haven't. I haven't seen it since either. But the difference between the two of us is, I, I never expected to see it again. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I bought it, or I got it for Christmas. I wanted it. 
I wanted it for Christmas. You know, I wanted to watch it. So I'm still waiting here, for Fox to make me an offer on how much they're going to pay me to allow <laughs> to allow that Blu-ray on my hey, shelf. Patreon, man, Patreon. We we just got all I got to say is we will. You know, you could be a part of the first interaction about the Fantastic Four movie since we fought about it years ago. The first how time, cr- the first time any human being has watched that movie <laughs> since it left theaters in 2015. Wow, we digress, but it's still yes, good. Yes, we dig- do. Anyway, back to Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> Dark World. Well, I remember with Patty Jenkins, like at the time, I was excited about that because she had directed Monster, and I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, and I, and it, I was like, oh, like, that's that's not necessarily like a, a choice you would have automatically associated, but oh. I was also I was starting to get used to the idea of you know at that point like Marvel hiring people that weren't necessarily the ones you initially thought of uh, for a superhero film. And they've stuck with that, and that's worked out great. Um, but I wonder where things broke down, you know, between Marvel and, and Patty Jenkins. Because remember, it's this is uh, pre twenty fifteen, so like this is still in like the era where Marvel Entertainment was, you know, where Marvel Studios still answered to Marvel Entertainment as opposed to just Walt Disney Studios. So I just kind of I don't know where the breakdown happened between Marvel and Patty Jenkins, but it was disappointed disappointing that she left. But I agree with you. I mean, once Alan Taylor came in, I think at the time we were all saying, okay, yeah, you take one of the more prominent directors from Game of Thrones and you put him in with Thor, and that just seems like a slam dunk. You know, you take this guy and you're like, look at what he's done with now relative to television, Game of Thrones has a massive budget, but relative to movies, it's not that big of a budget. So you just think, okay, you give this guy a comic book movie budget and now just watch and see what he does with it. And so it seemed like um it really did seem like kind of a, a natural fit. So didn't know what happened with Patty Jane. Cause it was disappointing that she dropped out. Um, ultimately she, you know, things worked out just fine for her. Might've t- might've taken a few extra years, but now she's doing amazing with, uh, with wonder woman. And I can't, you know, and, and probably will do amazing stuff with other comic book properties, not just wonder woman. I think she'll probably get to do a lot more, um, as long as she, she wants to, but yeah, with Alan Taylor, seemed like a it seemed like a nice fit um and that was pretty much where it was with thor the dark world like it was a little bit different because like a lot of this was happening uh during the build-up to the avengers so i wasn't really as focused on it like i was very into you know for a lot of the early development of thor the dark world is just like yeah whatever thor sequel cap sequel i mean yeah that's great but man avengers is coming (laughs) like so a lot of you know a lot of the early developmental stages uh for this you know for this movie was kind of uh overshadowed by by avengers for me yeah this was you know i think i want to say leading up to this movie i was kind of going through a transition of i was we're buying our house and um you know things were just kind of um you know, I was I was obviously ecstatic about the Avengers, but I remember just kind of being just kind of excited about the movie. But like you said, it definitely kind of was, you know, took a back seat because, you know, shortly after the Avengers um, and Iron Man three coming out, obviously Star Wars got bought out by Disney and I was just going crazy excited for more Star Wars movies. And, you know, it was the first time that Marvel had something rivaling it like on star Wars level, because, you know, so for me, Marvel just was, it, it had some competition in my life that, you know, star Wars, you know, as much as I love star Wars and I always viewed star Wars and Marvel as the same, even when Mar- I was more into Marvel at the time, it was something that, uh, you know, without new movies it's hard to get excited about star Wars. So when star Wars, you know, got the film announcement, I was going crazy. And I, as it, as the years got closer to episode seven, and you know news and, and and all that stuff my marvel stuff it definitely wasn't as high as it, as it was and i think thor dark world got in the crosshairs a little bit doesn't mean i wasn't more excited about it or wasn't excited about seeing it because i was I, I i loved the first thor movie i loved thor and avengers i love loki and the avengers so i felt like man they've, they've got game of thrones they've got thor and loki back in it it's got you know some deep cuts from the Marvel universe with the, with like the Dark Elves and Malekith and you know which it, that was all really exciting. Um, yeah, I was into the idea of Christopher Eccleston coming in to be a villain um, because I always totally. liked him. You know, yeah, I always thought he was really good, and 
I actually, for a long time, like I just, I wondered when somebody was going to get that guy to come in and be a villain in their comic book movie. Um, he was a bad so, guy in GI Joe. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, also Sorry. a bad guy in gone in 60 seconds, the remake. Um, Ooh, yeah. yeah, whatever. I, I like that movie. Uh, <laughs> it's lame, but I don't care. Um, kind of, well, I guess, if I like throw the, some people, I, I was just, I'm like already hearing the comeback that somebody just had in their car of like, well, you like Thor the dark world. So that makes sense. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, like I was, uh, I was excited about that. Like, you know, I didn't know Malekith that well. Um, you know, but like, I, I can't remember, but I remember like reading, you know, the, the, like the beauty of Marvel unlimited is like, okay, I need to go find more books with this guy and in reading more about Malekith and it seemed cool. And, and so I was into that idea, um, I don't really remember a whole lot else about the development of the movie really until, uh, the first teaser trailer that came out, uh, right before Iron Man three. So I think it came out in April of 2013. And I remember just looking at that and thinking, okay, like it, it didn't, I didn't think it was bad. I wasn't worried, but at the same time, it didn't blow me away in the the way that you know some of the best marvel trailers have like it just kind of had like i remember it had like that truck tilting because of all the weird convergent stuff and and so you know there is that like so it was like okay it looks pretty cool um i didn't actually i wasn't one of my all-time regrets is not being at comic-con in hall h that year in 2013 because that was the year tom hiddleston showed up in costume and in character as loki um for Thor the Dark World, but I remember like I was reading what was happening during the panel and, and I read the description of the footage and like, Oh my God, Thor's going to get his hand cut off. And then I was, and then, uh, I saw the footage that, cause I went to D 23 the next month, the D 23 expo in Anaheim. And they showed that same Thor footage. And, you know, and I was like, okay, this definitely looks better than what I saw, uh, in that first teaser. And, you know, like the idea of Thor getting his hand cut off, like that looked like, you know, I was like, Oh damn, that's, yeah, you know, that could be a game changer. Of course it wasn't. Um, but like, it was like, okay, this looks intense. Like this looks kind of, this is looking pretty cool. Um, but I also remember around that time, like that was, you know, that summer of 2013 was where you really started hearing rumors of things just kind of coming apart with the movie. And you just started hearing rumors about, uh, extensive reshoots. And, you know, there, I know the big rumor at the time was, Loki was going to die and they had, they're, they're going to bring him back because he was so popular in the Avengers and they don't want to kill him and, and whatever else. I'm like, well, whoever's idea it was to kill Loki in the second Thor movie. That was, a, if that was ever an, an actual idea, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> like they never should have even filmed that once, let alone had to go back and shoot over it. Um, I don't know if that would have ever, if that was ever very real, but, um, and I remember hearing that and I just remember like Alan Taylor, kind of being like a ghost at comic con. Like he was there, but like, you know, he showed up for the signing for Thor, the dark world, but I don't remember. I don't even, I mean, again, I wasn't there, so I don't remember if he even showed up during the Thor, the dark world panel, or if he did, it was very brief. Um, and he, what he, uh, he wasn't really there for, or I don't remember him being there for D 23. I think it was Tom Hiddleston. Uh, I don't remember. And I think maybe Anthony Hopkins was there. I don't think Hem, uh, Hemsworth was, but like, yeah, like I just remember Alan Taylor not being a big part of the promotion for Thor, the dark world. And that just seemed, you know, that just seemed a little weird, you know, and like, and everything just kind of seemed oddly quiet on Thor, the dark world. Like you just kept hearing all these, I mean, I should say quiet from official sources, from unofficial sources in the rumor mill, you know, you, there was definitely some noise and some chatter, that was going on over the summer of like, uh, maybe, maybe everything's not so hot with this movie. Yeah. I kind of remember it having kind of a weird or, you know, kind of rumors around it. I remember, I remember, I do remember the reshoots being talked about and I thought that was interesting uh, at the time now. And I knew less about reshoots than I, than I do now. So, but even then I was kind of like, Oh, I hope that's, I hope that's you know means that there's going to be good things happening. I don't know, but you're right. Alan Taylor was was definitely you know not very talked about, you know very much of, of this whole thing, and and it was very interesting the fact that they they just didn't you know talk about him much, and and this the the movie itself just you know again the promotion was just kind of it just it, it definitely of all the Marvel films it definitely felt like the most under the radar. And you have to remember too, Sean, this movie came out in November. 
So, I mean, this is the first time that Marvel was doing that. And I thought it was kind of exciting. Like, oh, they're actually branching out. Like, you know, with a, even though Thor did really well as a solo mm-hmm. film, they wanted to, you know, why put it in the in the May with all these other heavy hitters? Let's yeah. put it in November when nowhere else is around. I thought that was yeah, a really a, good idea. It's the first, non, uh, first non-summer release for Marvel Studios. Yeah. So, I mean, it was... I, but I think even that being said, knowing they put that there, it it gave me an idea that they weren't that confident in the film of itself. And I know they they put that tent pole there, but maybe because they wanted to put a you know a Thor film out and they kind of were kind of hell bent on it, they just kind of pushed it forward and and you know it it kept moving and kept moving and to a point where they had no they had no choice but to use that date. But it was like. I almost feel like they did it on purpose a little bit, you know, maybe. I don't know. It's It definitely felt like, it, it, you know, because it wasn't a summer film, it definitely was under the radar. I, maybe because I was, that was the year the, the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. And then I, <laughs> and, 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 well, and no, but seriously, like, no, yeah, I yeah. was I was just dead. Like, I mean, I'm always a diehard Seahawks fan, but like, football was like number one. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, you know. So I remember going to the movies with my brother and his wife, and me and Morgan both went. And I remember like looking at the score of the uh, Carolina San Francisco game right before the movie came on. Like, okay, are San Francisco losing? Oh my god! You know, I I remember that. I remember we saw I saw it. Um, what, oh gosh, when did I see this? Right, we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, I just I think this movie just came, because of the time frame that it wasn't like the buildup was was kind of different. It wasn't like a hype buildup. It was just kind of like yeah, Thor's coming out in November. <laughs> you know, it was just kind of it was strange. I was I was actually very excited about the November release because I was like, isn't it going to be awesome? Like if this works that we won't have to have no Marvel movies from like August all the way through May or all the way through April. Because, like, you know, I was like, oh, this seems like a pretty cool idea. Like we might be able to space Marvel movies out like almost evenly throughout the year so that we're never more than a few months away from our next Marvel movie. I was actually very uh, excited about or at least our next superhero movie you know overall so I was, I was excited about that prospect and you know i think this was almost more of a disney thing than a than a marvel thing because this was the third film that disney distributed for marvel and i think they were you know disney's always gone into the fourth quarter with stuff you know so i i think we're disney they're like guys don't worry about it like we do this is what we do <laughs> like it'll be fine um and of course it was like thor the dark world did very well at the box office you know like it made you know, I think uh, almost like $200 million more than the first film did. So, or might've been over $200 million more. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but uh, I used to, that's just me getting old, but you know, like Thor of the Dark World did well um, and uh, had a nice opening weekend too. Like I think like 85, somewhere around there, uh, you know, for the opening weekend. Um, but yeah, like I just remember the buildup, like the next trailer, you know, like the final trailer or whatever was, was pretty good. And I, and I was feeling, you know, I was feeling decent about the movie. I was also excited on a on a personal level because, as I kind of teased, you know, during our last show, uh, Thor: The Dark World was the first time that I got an invite to like my own invite, not being like somebody else's plus one, but like my own invite to an MCU press screening uh, through uh, Modern Myth Media. So I was very, I was super stoked about that, and I, I saw the movie. I. It wasn't a super early screening. I think it was just like a few days or so before the movie came out. It was at the AMC Century City, which is was also the same place I saw uh, Iron Man 3 at a press screening uh, for, uh, for the first time earlier that year. And uh, as we get into first viewings, I remember my, my initial reaction is that I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. But I was also very aware as I was watching it that the movie was using a lot of comedy yes to mm-hmm. cover up mm-hmm. a super thin wonky plot uh and also you know a very subpar villain and you know some other, and just and also the what the one thing that that stood out to me visually um you know as i mentioned as i was teasing you know a few minutes before it didn't look as big and grand and cinematic as I thought a Thor film should look. It actually mm-hmm. looked like you literally dropped Thor into Game of Thrones, um, 
But, you know, in some ways, it actually looked like it had a smaller budget than Game of Thrones. Like, mm. the production design, like, the overall look of the film just wasn't... Some places I liked. I liked Asgard because I I actually liked the look of Asgard in Thor The Dark World compared to the first Thor film because the first Thor film, I, I always thought Asgard is just... I understand it's the realm eternal and whatever, but it's just too bright, shiny, and clean in the first Thor movie. I'm like... This doesn't look like a bunch of beings who live for thousands of years have been here. Like I, lo- I did like the production design on Asgard because it tended to it. It had a look of it actually looked like it had aged. Like it actually looked like okay, time has gone by here. Like the realm eternal has been here eternally, and like we see the age of the you know of the structures here, and it looked more lived in. There were just more more Asgardians just walking around uh, compared to how empty. Uh, the first Thor film feels once you leave that that initial uh, ceremony where Thor was was going to be crowned king. So I liked that part of it, but man, when you leave Asgard, even the st- you know the stuff on Earth doesn't look that great. And then when you go to Vanaheim, Svartalheim, like it just it just looks very very flat and very very small. Yeah, this is um. This is a movie that I I, I don't think I, I came into work for, um, and I because my, again it was one of those times my boss gave me the day off. I just was you know needed a break, and I was like, oh, let's go see Thor. And I saw Thor: Dark World by myself, and um, you know, and I, I love Friday morning showings because it's like there's no there's not a bunch of hyped up like teenagers around me. Which is really nice. Uh, no offense, hyped up teenagers, but <laughs> I, sometimes I just—it's too much. I just want to like sit and want to absorb the movie. The, these Marvel films mean a lot to me. So, um, anyway, that being said, uh, I remember leaving uh, liking it, and I remember saw it again that weekend, that Sunday, with my brother and my wife and and his and my brother's wife, and and I like I, I thought it was okay. I'm like okay, you know. And I, I remember we uh, we did a show. Uh, for uh, Modern Myth Media, and I just, you know, it. I liked it. I don't. I don't. I think it's not a bad movie. I don't think it's bad. Bad, like awful. Right. And I want to make that very clear. One of the things that I definitely, one hundred percent, agree with you, Sean, was in watching it now. Then was there was way too much humor, way too much silly, stupid stuff that I feel like really tried, like you said, cover up a lot of just inadequacies of the film with mainly the, the, the weak story and the, and the villain, you know, it's weird. But that's that why I, the humor, that's why the humor has to be there though. Cause if, cause I was legitimately like laughing out loud at a lot of the jokes that were in there. So if I wasn't laughing though, then all I would have had to focus on was the, the elements that weren't working. And so I kind of think that's what the reshoots were ultimately about is I think they, I, I don't know the specifics of whether or not Loki was dead or, or not dead or whatever, but I totally believe that they added more Loki because he had been so popular in the Avengers and Malekith just wasn't working that great. Um, I think they, and, and I think they probably added more jokes to be like, look, if people are laughing and they're not going to necessarily notice some of our, our story deficiencies here because um, you know, and that's why I found it so odd, like as a quick, uh, quick digression, I'll, I'll get back to it, but like, I found it so funny, like in the in the build up to Thor: The Dark World, like, oh, we're finally going to add comedy to the Thor franchise. I'm like, there's been a shit ton of comedy in the Thor franchise. Mm-hmm. Like, there's yep. plenty of it in the first film. There's plenty of it in Thor: The Dark World. Uh, what you what you haven't necessarily done is, I mean, obviously Taika's style is very very different than the humor you get in any of the other two Thor movies. But there was plenty of humor in them. Uh, and they probably relied more on humor than they were, especially in the case of Thor the Dark World, by far relying way more on humor than anything else. Yeah, so that's kind of my thing was taking away from it was I felt uh, at this point, if I remember correctly, there's a lot of people still saying that humor was, you know, MCU films are all about too much humor. They're all basically comedies, you know. Oh, this they, was, still, they still say that. So well, don't, right, don't but – but no, no. But but this film, I feel like, was definitely their a whipping boy for that. Oh, you know, for sure. that I, yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like this is was the, the film that really they could really go. Hi, gotcha. See, we're right. Ah, 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 you know, whatever. I mean, 
And, you know, I don't necessarily, necessarily disagree with a lot of those complaints because I definitely feel humor is needs to be it, needs, it, it, felt, it definitely felt more forced in this movie and not in the sense to where like it didn't always work because there were definitely funny things and that I definitely mm-hmm. laughed out laughed out loud but to me re- i think on the the repeated viewings it's way more apparent to me that like what they're doing and and again like it worked i mean let's be real here the it the plan worked because oh, yeah. they 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 they're like you said the, the movie made money so um but yeah i just remember this movie coming out i wasn't i wasn't blown away i wasn't i didn't hate it and i and, and rewatching it now I'm still in the same in the same thing. I still think that there are some great visual effects in this movie. Um, there's there's I mean, I remember saying back at the original Modern Myth Media show, God, like what, five years ago? Yeah. You know, I mean uh, it's just long- over four. Oh, it's, whatever. It was it was late twenty thirteen. We're only barely oh, that's you're right, you're right, you're right. All right, fair enough. But uh yeah, four years ago, I remember thinking the Asgard like you know, battle scene when Heimdall no, this is pretty cool, when Heimdall takes down a single yeah. like elf ship, that part is sweet. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, that's a great part. Um that whole sequence is actually pretty cool and looks great. Um it yeah. reminded me of Masters of the Universe, and I kept thinking, I really want this to be a Masters of the Universe movie. <laughs> well, Frigga, uh, Frigga's funeral also looks beautiful. I mean, there yeah, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are. I, I think the the attack on Asgard um, that all looks great. I mean, I remember just loving the shit out of the black hole grenades. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was into that, like the whole thing. Like, I I loved all of that, and I loved the uh, you know the even though I obviously wasn't like cheering because Thor's mom died, but like, you know, the funeral scene was beautiful. Um, and I think that's where like the, you know, that part of the film is executed very, very well. And I also think it does, uh, my favorite part of the, the whole thing, it's, it's Thor and Loki's relationship. That's what, that's why I ultimately give the movie a passing grade. Um, I, I wouldn't do it just because it has some jokes that are funny. Like it, it needed to have something and there is some meat to this movie and the Thor and Loki stuff, like first, like the kind of setting up, uh, Loki's relationship with his mother before she dies. Uh, I thought all of that was incredible. Like it's heartbreaking when he says like, he's not my father when talking about Odin. And then she says, and am I not your, then am I not your mother? And he just says, nope. And that's the lot. And that literally ends up being the last thing he says to her before she dies. Um, so like it's uh you know there's amazing stuff there and even I, I think there's a great scene when Thor first goes to like recruit Loki after the mom has died and the plan to go uh confront you know bait Malekith with the ether like I loved that when he says like just you know like I when you betray me I'll kill you like I you know like he's just telling him like this is how it is like I I expect you to betray me I don't trust you but I need you so this is you know this is the deal now and then just seeing their relationship kind of progress as they're forced to work together and the amazing uh, Chris Evans cameo of Loki oh, playing the part great. of Cap. So, like, there's just so there, – there's a lot of good stuff in this movie. Unfortunately, it there there's other stuff that just doesn't work as well as we you know normally expect from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's, it's not that the movie's bad. It's certainly not bad throughout. It's actually good through a lot of the movie. It just has other things where you're just like, Ah, like, you know, like where just the momentum just stalls for whatever reason. Well, I think that, you know, I, I, I want to touch upon my genius for, no, I was kidding. Um, my, we talk about, I talked about how humor was, this was, it's whipping boy, right? Um, yeah. well, I think again, this was another Marvel whipping boy because you have the bad villain problem. Like, Oh, Marvel doesn't have any villains, blah, 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 blah. You know? Yeah. So this is coming off of the fact you had the Mandarin, which was, you know, a controversial take, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you had Loki, which everyone loves and, and everyone said, Oh, you only have Loki. So then you had the Mandarin. That was a, that was a, what's just, let's be real. It was not a well-received. It was mixed, you know? Sure. So mixed reaction for a villain. Okay, it's you can see where people can hate on that a little bit. Then you have Malekith, who is probably the is is the worst villain in the Marvel universe. And I think because you followed that up with that, you have now the you know these Marvel whipping boys who are like you know or these Marvel people, anti Marvel fans or whatever, want to complain about everything. They look at Thor and like this is the the movie that's ripe for the picking with that. And I think mm-hmm. that that to me is what 
it makes this movie not as good as other films is the fact that you've got humor all over the place to safeguard the fact that whoever, you know, whoever's responsible for writing the script of this movie just under just, just criminally underwritten character of Malekith. And, you know, I, it's just funny to think about like, where did it go so wrong? Like why, it just, it just, it, to me, Edelston did, was fine in the role, but he wasn't great. It just was like a, a, a kind of a lightning in a bottle of negativity as far as like the look of the character was kind of bland. I like the dark elves; they looked awesome. But and, and I thought um, Curse was cool too. Yeah, but, but that's like a, your main villain shouldn't be the the least cool looking. Exactly. No, exactly. And that's the problem. So he's not, there's no emotional connection really to Thor. That's a problem. Because again, like when when the heroes and the villains have the best stories is when they have a connection. It's a natural connection to each other that they can draw on that you can heighten the emotional energy of the climax. Now, Malekith is just an age of villain that I awoke and was like, you know, it's not endearing. It's not endearing. And even Odin didn't know him. Yeah. He, he's before he's before Odin's time. He was a villain of Thor's grandpappy's day. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and, and and again, he kills Frigga to basically, you know, to try to amp up the emotional ten- intensity. And it doesn't work because he as of itself is not an interesting character. So you're just no. kind of, you know, you're relying on this, I don't know. It's just, it's an old. I mean, the idea is, if, if you have, if the character looks interesting and is interesting, you can make it work. But because those two things aren't connect, you know, those two things aren't working. The fact that, like, you know, him killing his mom is just not enough to keep you intrigued for the whole story. Plus, I think one of the major problems of the film is that you again are on Earth. I mean, the first movie I totally get, and I think it works. I mean, yeah, like the New Mexico town looks shoddy a little bit. It looks like it's made literally, you know, the day before. I get it, you know. But at the same time, I love that idea of being banished to Earth and having to Mm -hmm. learn – how to be a, a a true king and 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 be noble yeah. and things like it that. Like serves that an, it serves a narrative purpose in the first mm-hmm. film, where it serves more of just a practical purpose in mm-hmm. the second film of like, well, we don't want to spend a bunch of money doing like you know like not. I mean, not that it looks like Vanaheim or Svartalheim like costs a lot of money. Like, yeah, they did some location shoots for to find those spots, but like you know they weren't doing anything too crazy there. Um, but yeah, like I think Malekith is just, he's just flat as a villain. Like even yeah. if you don't have a connection to the hero, like you've got to be interesting and you got to find some way to be interesting and he's just not. And, and yeah, at, at the very least look cool. If you, if you can accomplish nothing else with your antagonist, make him look cool. Um, cause Malekith actually looks pretty cool in the comics. Like, I don't understand like how they went to, you know, I, I really, really don't understand like how they settled on this design for him in Thor: The Dark World. Like it is as bland as you can. Like bland isn't even a good enough word for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it it's just oh, it's such a bad look. It's it doesn't look interesting. You know, it just there's nothing interesting about it. There's there's no feature in that design to really like catch your eye and be like, oh wow, that's cool. Like there's nothing about it. I, I don't I don't know what happened with Malekith. Um, Probably probably the worst character design in the MCU. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think. But of of a character. Hold on, Sean. That sounds like a great episode. Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, for, I'll say this for a main hero or main villain, probably one of the worst. Uh, so like, or maybe the worst. Yeah, I don't dig that design for Malekith. Um, you know, and I don't know like. If it was just, you know, like, cause there's, I mean, I, I have the concept art book, like there's cooler looks for Malekith that were designed, you know, but then ultimately what they did for what they settled on for the movie and what they executed with the costuming and the makeup, like it just, you know, it just didn't work. Um, but you know, they're so like, it's, that's why the movie doesn't, you know, hold up and match, you know, the very best or even the more middle stuff from, from Marvel. That's why I, 
I still, that's, you know, one of the main reasons I have it so low on my, my rankings is just some of those different things just add up. They don't add up all enough to, for me to say this is a bad movie because I still think there's enough good stuff in it. And I just kind of look at it. I just view the movie differently. You know, I view it as Loki is still the main villain because he ultimately ends up with control of Asgard uh, at the end of the film. So if you view it through that lens of Loki still the main villain and Malekith is just like a distraction that allows Loki to once again be opportunistic, it works a lot better. (laughs) You just, you know, you have to change your frame of reference a bit for the film, but then, you know, like it makes it, uh, it comes across a little better that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with the villain thing, you know, I, I think that the fact, you know, here's, it's almost like false advertisement, Sean. Okay, so we saw Thor. There was no promise other than we had Thor in the movie, right? So mm-hmm. we kind of we we love the Asgard and Jotunheim stuff and everything. We're thinking, okay, the sequel is going to be even bigger than that, right? And then they call it Thor Dark World, okay? Mm-hmm. Thor Dark World, not Dark Earth, you know? Yeah. So and so when you go back to Earth again for the practicality, pro, pro, you know, probably because of budgetary reasons. It just that to me was I think, you know, for me as a fan, then I think now it's just it adds to the fact that where I'm like, okay, this is just, you know, it's not it's not the Thor movie that I really wanted because I wanted Thor to be on in the nine realms. I wanted him going like I wanted him to have a movie where he was going through all the realms, not just Earth, but all of them. And, and, you know, collecting things and going and, and doing these battles that aren't on Earth, but, you know, otherworldly, you know, d- or dimensions or whatever you want to call it. So it was it, to me when you add the fact of the humor being a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, in your face with the villain being probably the least compelling villain in the whole MCU. Definitely. And, and probably least interesting, but that's a whole other Patreon episode of itself. Um <laughs> Oh, um, I know. I'm coming. I all thought crazy. I was bad shilling for Patreon at the top of every oh, oh, show. I, I, comes, I'm, yeah, I was doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. So uh, uh, yeah. yeah, but you put all. Well, those what's streams- crazy about it? You know, you mentioned the budget, and I was just looking this up right now because I was like, Thor: The Dark World wasn't inexpensive. So I just looked it up. Thor: The Dark World only cost ten million. You know, based on I'm pulling this from Box Office Mojo. I mean, which I know they always put budget estimates on there. It doesn't mean it's the real budget. We never get to learn what real movie budgets are, but. Um, unless you actually go and work for Disney, but, um, yeah, the production budget on Thor, the dark world is 170 million. Thor Ragnarok was 180. So Thor, the dark world only cost $10 million less than Thor Ragnarok. And it looks like it cost half as much. Just, I mean, just in terms of the production value that I see on the screen. So like there, there was money spent on Thor, the dark world it just doesn't show up on screen and maybe that's because of maybe that's because of reshoots maybe stuff that you know they spent more money on doesn't didn't ultimately make it and the stuff that we see is just what was left because they had to reshoot so much i don't know well, I, I think to me, I, I still think like we both agreed that the assault on Asgard looked good. There's still some good CGI stuff. There's some shoddy CGI stuff, but yeah, that's what's any- good looking. But there's good looking stuff on Ragnarok throughout the entire movie. Not one, not just like one, well, not just a couple scenes. Well, we don't want to bring that up right now, Sean. That's that's not the right right show. Let's focus on dark. Focus <laughs> on dark world. I'm just using that oh, for God. reference to show I, like, the, the, <laughs> the money being spent on dark world is not showing up on screen the way that the money Marvel spends usually shows up on screen. So something happened here. Well, to be fair too, I mean, there's a lot of like practical sets on, you know, on this, in this movie. And I feel like there was, you know, if we're bringing Ragnarok up, there's a lot more, a lot more CGI sets. And I think that, um, they're just, I don't know. I don't know if it has something to do with, it's more expensive to do practical sets, but I feel like, again, they try to focus on, you know, just, the I guess the wrong things in in certain cases like you know there was a lot of a lot of throne room scenes in in this movie that just was you know this big giant set which was had a cool like action sequence but it wasn't like you know I don't know like sequences like when Thor was in like the elf ship with with Loki it mm-hmm. didn't look super great you know th- them inside the ship but there was definitely a bunch of CGI to enhance that. Um, you know, there's just lots of little things that I feel like probably got lost. And 
you know, yeah, I guess you're right in a certain extent. It probably doesn't all show up on screen. And and actually, think about too. Think about how to recreate like all this Earth stuff too at the end of the movie, like of exploding buildings and this red ether that's all over the place. I mean, that probably wasn't you know too cheap either. I mean, the ether to me as the MacGuffin is just. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it's just, it's such a weird like idea to think that's an you know infinity stone, but yeah. that's for the Patreon episode. I guess we get coming up. But <laughs> I'm this man. I'm just. But it going is. Crazy. But you know what? It, it is. Uh, it's funny though because like you know everybody says you know everybody remembers like uh, Volstag saying infinity you know infinity stones uh, in the mid credit scene with the collector, but um, but Odin actually says it first. Like when he's explaining. Um, when he's explaining to Jane and to Thor, like what the ether is, like he's actually saying like there are relics that are basically older than time, like older than the universe. And then he said like most of these relics take the form of stones, but the ether is liquid. And so, yeah, the, the ether is just, it's kind of weird. Cause remember like all we, all we knew about it was that it was called the ether um, it's weird that it's kind of the reality gem, um, just because I guess all the other gems had already been figured out. <laughs> like they're like, okay, let's just make the ether the reality gem. Which I mean, it does kind of make sense because it does like have you know it works with the convergence, which obviously uh, affects uh, realities across different dimensions and whatever. So it kind of makes sense. Like, but it just it's still a little clunky and that's like the overall plot. Like they explained the convergence like five different times in the first 30 minutes of the movie, um, which is okay, but it still doesn't like, it, it still just doesn't come together or prove to be all that interesting or, or engaging. I guess it would have been if there was a more interesting villain and also just, you know, the ether being trapped inside Jane was also not, I, I don't think that was the best move. You know, it was like, how, what's our excuse for Jane Foster still being in this Thor story? Um, let's just take our MacGuffin and let's just put it inside of like, let's just put it inside of her body so that that way, like she just has to be, uh, she, Thor has to be around her the whole time. And <laughs> it just feels, you know, it just doesn't, it's fine. Like it, it's not like it narrative. It's not like I'm just saying, oh, well narratively like that just flat out does not work. It, it works, but it's not, I don't think it's the most interesting thing you could have done. Um, and I think that's why, you know, Thor Ragnarok ultimately like, moving away from Jane Foster and it's no disrespect to Natalie Portman. Like I'm not one of those people who's just completely written her off because of the, the star Wars prequels. Like I liked her in the first Thor movie and there's nothing really wrong with her from a performance standpoint in Thor, the dark world. I don't think it's Natalie Portman's fault that the character is just kind of wedged into this story um, when maybe she didn't necessarily need to be. So it's just, it's a little, you know, like it's just a little funky how some of those things, uh, you know, how as happens throughout this movie, there are just things that just they just don't come together uh, in a way that's 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 totally satisfying. Yeah, it, it's I definitely agree to that. It, it's a movie that just yeah, it's just something that I, it's hard for me when I look, when I watch it, it's, it has some good stuff. It's got some, it's just got some you know, mediocre stuff, but I, I still think it's an enjoyable film. Mm-hmm. It's still a film that I feel like it's not, is it worth, is it going to be worth re- re- rewatching a bunch? Not, uh, not necessarily. I, I definitely think Portman's character is, is not, it was never been strong. I'm never, I'm not a big Portman fan. Um, to be quite honest, I think she's been great in one movie and that's black Swan. Um, and I, I do think she's solid in, uh, actually yeah, episode one. She's pretty one. good in Annihilation. I know you didn't like the movie. But... Ooh, I not like her performance in Annihilation. That's a whole other different. That's you know, definitely another podcast. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a whole other podcast. It's not even another. Yeah, yeah not even yeah. another episode of this yeah. podcast. That's a completely <laughs> different podcast. Yeah, it's a whole other podcast network and everything. No, um, I, I, I for one just, you know, can, I never connect, connect with her characters usually, usually. And Thor is definitely no different. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I just, I, I just, you could, I just, in my opinion, I just see just like in, in episodes two and three, I think she was solid in episode one, actually episode two and three. I think she just mails in performances and there's no difference between those and these and the Thor films for the most part. So yeah, I, I liked her better than for the first Thor movie. I thought she actually had a, it seemed like she had a good time in that movie. In this yeah, one, 
you, in this one, you could tell she's like, get me the hell out of here. Well, she's probably feeling the strain of like, my character doesn't have a good enough reason to be here. You know, so like maybe, yeah, yeah. which, you know, as an actor, you probably shouldn't let that show through. But uh, um, yeah, like, I think it just, it's it's a little tough. You know, I, my least favorite shot of the movie, though, is actually that first battle scene on Vanaheim. Um, it, it bugs the crap out of me because like, it's when Thor strikes his hammer on the ground. And like, just like a, you know, basically a small circle of bad guys falls down around him. It's like, we saw an epic hammer strike mm. on Jotunheim in the first Thor movie. I'm like, you can't do that. Or it's like, you can, but don't play it like it's the big heroic shot. Like it's all slow-mo as he's like coming down with the hammer, like <laughs> he just hits the ground and like, yeah. You know, it's like we've seen much bigger ground strikes with Thor. Like we've seen, you know, we've seen this, but it was actually done in a bigger, better, more interesting way in the first film. And that's kind of, you know, that's, that's a really tough thing. Uh, You know, that's a really tough thing to really, you know, look at in this film and and give it a pass. And that's where, that's where I think Thor, the dark world disappoints me the most is that, you know, like the idea of, like, as you said, Thor, the dark world, like I just expected it to be so much bigger and like, you know, we told the, the Earth-based story to kind of introduce Thor. He was just back on Earth for the Avengers, but he takes off to Asgard at the end. Like, it's time to really get out there with Thor. And this film doesn't do that. And and so even though it's not necessarily the movie being bad as much as it is the movie just not doing quite what I wanted it to do, although there are there are certainly elements of the movie that are bad, but, you know, there's a lot of good stuff here, but it still just isn't going... Uh, where I was hoping, uh, going in the direction that, that I hoped it would. It just feels a lot smaller than I thought a Thor movie should feel, especially a second Thor movie. Like, yes. Like, okay, it's definitely time to, you know, take the training wheels off. <laughs> like, it's time to go with this franchise. And, and I don't think Thor of the Dark World really accomplishes that. You know, I don't hate the end battle in London. Like, there's some cool, like, it is kind of cool to see Thor and Malekith like battling and following through like different realms and everything like, and th- and I actually do like you know I laughed at the bit where like they go down the glass from the building and like you just hear like their skin just like squeegeeing the glass off the building and then like the bit on the subway train where that woman like falls into Thor like there's funny stuff in there but I, again that's where I feel like you're covering like this battle isn't big and epic enough so you're having to turn it into a slapstick comedy routine. Uh, because it, it doesn't have you like all you have is like Eric Selvig who has never experienced the convergence has no frame of reference for it and yet he's invented these two magic sticks that are going to make it that are going to be able to like allow him and Jane to control it and also allow Thor to stop Malekith it's like oh man like we're really suspending disbelief here guys um, so yeah there's there's just some stuff in there that that is clunky but there's also, but this is where you know Marvel does such a good job is that even when they're not at their best, they find ways to be entertaining. So it's like even you know I can complain that the final confrontation isn't isn't epic, um, and that it's more it's played more for laughs. But I am laughing and I am having fun with it. Like so, I I was enjoying myself and I still enjoy myself when I sit and watch the movie. You know, and I just watched it again today because I was doing my homework for the show. Like. You know, so I when I watch this movie, I still enjoy it, and there I still get a kick out of the same exact things, and then have the same things that that bug me. But you know, it's not like I'm uh, I'm not dreading watching the movie. I'm not sitting here thinking, oh god, why do I have to watch this movie again? I still enjoy it. I'm still entertained by it. But I also have a list of 17 other Marvel films, all of which that I think are better than this one. You know, this is like I I. When I first saw it, I didn't think Thor the Dark World was at the bottom of the MCU. I, I actually didn't have that reaction when I first saw it. But it was when I got it on Blu-ray a few months later and rewatched it, I was like, eh, this is more... I was like, no, I'm pretty sure I like Iron Man 2 and Incredible Hulk better than this. And those had been at the bottom of my MCU list. So now Thor the Dark World is, is there, and, and hopefully it's, you know... Ho- hopefully I never have another entry that goes below it. So, because none of what's <laughs> none of what's come out ranks below Thor: The Dark World, so I really hope that uh, you know I, I would hate to see something new, you know, that Marvel would put out and have it be um, have it not even be as good as this one. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of hoping that 
this is, you know, probably the, the weakest and will remain the weakest. And there are other films that I'll, we'll get into on this adventure we're going on that I will probably compare. It's, it's somewhat close to this, but it's, uh, yeah, I still, I don't think Marvel's made a bad movie yet. And that's, and that I'm saying that honestly, as a objective, I mean, very as objective as I can when I say that, cause I am definitely, still you know a little biased i will you know admittedly but at the same time this is you know literally the like the worst and if this is the worst it ever gets then marvel's gonna be just fine and you know yeah i don't know i i just kind of feel that this is um you know it's not it's not the worst but it, it's it's yeah i i still enjoy it there's still still great things in it so yeah um yeah, it's you know, yeah. Like I, I still enjoy and I'm entertained by the movie, and that that's kind of what I, you know, I, I, I stress to people. Like when I, you know, when I have conversations about this stuff with people who, um, you know, for whatever reason want to know my opinion about this stuff, and it, I mean, obviously, people who listen to podcasts are kind enough to care about my opinion on these things. But when when it's people like outside of the who are a little bit like outside of the geek sphere. You know, but like at least for some at some random moment when they're talking to me, whether it's a friend or family member or coworker, and they just ask like, why? You know, they ask me these questions of like, why? You know, why is Marvel so successful, and why is you know why does you know why has DC struggled with some of their stuff? And when one of the things I I mean, there are many many things to to help explain a lot of that. But one of the things I say is that Marvel Studios does a really great job of making sure that at the very least you are entertained so that even when the execution is not as good as it normally is um, and it's not as good you know not as good as they as we normally see from them they know how to make sure that you are laughing make sure that you are getting at least some uh, good action scenes that are going to give you the big comic book action that you're asking for. And they also know how to give you heart because there is heart in this movie. You know, the heart in this movie is, is similar to what it was in the first movie. You just don't maybe get quite as much of it with the relationship between Thor and Loki. But this one really focuses more also adds focus to the relationship between Loki and Frigga. Um, and you get also get a lot of Thor and Odin. So you know, seeing these different characters interacting with one another that's what allows you to have a good time. And that's, you know, Marvel makes sure that, you know, when you have character, that you will still have characters you like. Okay, so they whiffed on Malekith. That's fine because you still have Thor being interesting, Loki, Frigga, Odin. Like, there's, there's other characters. There's always things that, as an audience member, you can latch onto and invest in um, and be entertained by and laugh at. There's always plenty of stuff um, that, they, that they add in there. And that's why even when you have something like Thor The Dark World, that most people agree is Marvel Studios' weakest film. Most critics still gave it a positive gave it a positive review. Um, audiences gave it an A minus cinema score, so not obviously not as good as like the solid A's that Marvel usually gets or the A pluses that they got with Black Panther and, and Avengers, but still a solid uh, rating from audiences and and big box office. So, I mean, Thor: The Dark World, when this is like as bad as I mean, how great is it for Marvel studios when this is basically about as bad as it gets like that? I mean, I, that's all mm-hmm. I can really say about it is like when this is, when this is the floor for the MCU, that shows you how great things really are. Like that, that's, you know, I, I don't think if there wasn't so much other, if there weren't so many other truly great films in the MCU, then we probably might, ha- then I, I think we'd end up with a much more favorable opinion of this, but we just have so much better stuff to compare it to. Never mind within the greater superhero genre, just within Marvel's own work. Um, but it's but Thor: The Dark World still, as the floor, you know, holds up for Marvel. Yep. And that is where we will go ahead and wrap things up. But as Paul has mentioned about eighteen times during the show. <laughs> Uh, we do have our Patreon, and there will be a Patreon credit scene like there always is. There's also a Patreon-exclusive entire episode where we're talking about Disney Fox Marvel stuff and Silver Surfer and whatever else. So uh, that's already on our Patreon. But, yeah, we will have our Patreon credit scene to accompany this episode. So, of course, we're going to be talking about the connective tissue between Thor, The Dark World, 
and uh, Avengers Infinity War slash Avengers 4. It's pretty obvious because once again, we're dealing with an Infinity Stone, but we'll be talking, we'll be diving into that. And we're also going to talk about some other Marvel news. We have uh, some, some stuff to talk about regarding Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So we will be discussing all of that in our Patreon credit scene, which you can, and of course you can sign up for to get all of that stuff at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And also keep up with us every day at marvelstudiosnews.com where I am writing articles uh, about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, you can also catch us on Facebook at Marvel Studios News and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks as always for listening. We'll see you next time. 